Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. And there you have it. Brady returns to New England and ekes out a 19-17 victory. It was the last of a very emotional week four in the NFL. And, of course, we are going to dive right in to Brady facing off against Belichick, his former head coach. We're also going to hit on the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, their team is a lot different this year than last year. Their defense, they're really going to have to overcome that watched pretty much the entirety of the Philly and KC game and got to talking uh, and thinking of Travis Kelsey and how his status as an all-time great tight end, I I don't think it's really reality. And I think when you provide context, which I will, you will see that really he's not an all-time great tight end. And then we'll also talk about the trouble that the 49ers are in. If they got to start Trey Lance past week five, they can maybe kiss their playoff hopes goodbye. Of course, we will review the quarterbacks in the rookie class, the 2021 class, what I think as far as how they've played so far through four weeks and how I think I would draft them if we were drafting today. And then also got to give it up to the Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury, there's an aspect of his game, his coaching game, that I don't think is getting a lot of credit. Play design, the players, the roster, so far so good. 4-0, the lone undefeated team that's played four weeks we got the Raiders going later tonight but we got to take it to New England Brady Belichick Foxborough Sunday Night Football so I definitely think the emotion was capped off in Foxborough obviously that was the last game of the night Sunday Night Football Brady returns to New England but it did start Thursday evening Jacksonville Cincinnati Big emotional game at stake for the Jaguars. Of course, they came up empty in Ohio. They are 0-4. It got worse for their head coach. You saw the video go viral uh, of him at the bar. Had a couple many drinks. Really bad look. He had to come out with a statement here on Monday. And it it just continues to get worse for him. Big emotional um, negative impact. (laughs) Once again, Urban Meyer is bringing. I don't know where it's going to go from here. Anywhere than him exiting Jacksonville, North Florida at the end of the season. These guys are just not cut out for the NFL. Just not. And it only furthers the point uh, when you don't even know what the hell to do uh, during your off days. How do your players trust you exactly? Uh, But 
when you flip the calendar to Sunday, there was another emotional game in the afternoon. Detroit and Chicago. Justin Fields, you got to get positive momentum. You got to get some plays working for the rookie. And Matt Nagy, you have to just get rid of the filth from last week. That is one of the worst offensive performances, one of the worst planned games that all of us have seen in some time. They did a great job. They didn't do a lot, but they did enough, and they beat the Lions. They beat an NFL team, and that's good enough. A lot of emotional impact, a lot of uh, emotion at stake in that game. And then the Jets. You got a first-year head coach. You got a whole bunch of injuries. You got a quarterback who is playing backyard football, throwing the ball all over the yard, making some plays, not enough plays, and throwing the ball to the other team. And you got a vulnerable Tennessee team with both their starting receivers out with hamstring injuries. I thought that was a game the Jets would win. They ended up getting the victory in overtime, and it was big. It was big. You saw the video with uh, Salah getting the ice bath. Uh, Probably need to not do that, kind of act like you've been there before, but it's also important to celebrate that victory, and it's a big victory, again, emotionally for the Jets. The other New York team, the Giants, you got Joe Judge, second year, Daniel Jones, Can he be the starter next year? They needed to somehow get a win, especially after Joe Judge left the podium last week and said, we will get this right. Well, they did get it right. It ended with a Saquon touchdown down in NOLA, and they got their first victory as well. So a lot of emotion here in week four. That was my biggest takeaway. And obviously Brady and the return to New England, that capped it off. And I don't know how you do not come away from that football game. I know it's tabbed as Brady versus Belichick. And that is what you're thinking about when you're watching that game. And how do you not come away thinking that both of those men are the best at their profession? The absolute best. The different coverages on defense, the different formations on offense. Brady looking like he's 24, not 44. Did you see how he tried to extend the play with his legs? Not only from... Uh, a scrambling standpoint for the first down. We all saw the smile afterwards that I know is a, a gif or a gif online, but also the evasiveness from the pocket. He is moving well. He's moving really well. And a lot of it is a credit to the rules. You can't hit the quarterback. Um, I know there was a couple soft uh, hands to the helmet yesterday in the earlier games. I think the first one I saw uh, was in the Bears game with, uh, with Jared Goff. But Brady has shown that he has really taken care of himself at another level. He really does look like he's moving better. In that game, 19-17, to final score, rain, night game, Foxborough, maybe the most underrated home crowd in the NFL. The Chiefs, the Seahawks, they get a lot of credit for the decibel noise that they make. What about Foxborough? That's maybe the most underrated home field advantage. And obviously back in its heyday with Brady, that's when it was at its its highest, but it's still pretty doggone good. Those are some of the most loyal fans you will see in the NFL. That was just a, a great matchup. Toe-to-toe. A lot of people thought it was a stinker. I thought it was a fantastic game. Everybody needs a high-scoring game for it to be a quote-unquote great game. That was an amazing game. Great football. Very tactical and I saw Mac Jones rise to the occasion against his predecessor. Technically, Cam Newton's in there. A little bit of a gap year. But he's been tabbed as the next guy to be there long term. He played outstanding. He's very calculated. And we're going to get into how I think he's the best rookie quarterback out there playing right now. But he's been very calculated, taking care of the football, doing what's asked of him. And the expectations have been risen 
for this rookie quarterback. And I thought he answered the bell. And Bill Belichick, I know he's getting a lot of grief for sending out Nick Folk to kick the field goal. And of course, he doinks it off the crossbar. Almost went in. It was far enough. It had the distance. Uh, it just barely doinked off the front of the goalpost. I, I, I'm okay with the call. I'm okay with the call. You needed an explosive play right there. I don't know if I would have trusted Mac Jones in that situation to complete it. Uh, I definitely think that the defense, based off how the Buccaneers were performing, definitely possible that they stop them on fourth down. I'm okay with the call. It just missed, and sometimes that happens. And really a heck of a kick by Folk, given the wet conditions. I know both teams, both head coaches said it was not a factor. It absolutely was a factor. It had an impact on that game. Uh, really, all things considered, not that bad of a, you know, uh, 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 a good football performance. I don't think it was that sloppy as far as the football out there, but the wet conditions certainly had a factor. Now, Brady, Belichick, who gets the credit? Of course, everybody wants to put it down to this game where they're facing off against each other for the first time. How do you not come away thinking that it's the both of them? Belichick needed Brady. Brady needed Belichick. It was masterful. Just the adjustments made the entire time, the conditions, all things considered, uh, two-point game when it's all said and done. And then, of course, both are just world-class professionals in what they do. Give credit to the other and all their post-game remarks. And then meet for 23 minutes in private because they want to keep their relationship private. And all these books that are coming out, Seth Wickersham, Ian O'Connor, not to throw shade at their sources. They're both very well-connected, great journalists, but it's definitely embellished. It's definitely exaggerated. These two, do they have a little bit of friction in their relationship? I bet. After 20 years, I bet they did kind of butt heads a little bit. But it's been greatly exaggerated. These two love each other. They love each other on a professional level. They love what they've done for each other. And I think they definitely wanted to stay together. But one person wanted to do it one way. And the other person wanted to do it another And when the player hit free agency, he said, you know what? I'm going to try something else on my own. I kind of want a new challenge. And there's nothing wrong with that. There was no contracts uh, exchange, either on Brady's side or on Belichick's side. They both knew it's just time to do things a little bit differently. I believe Belichick when he said he wanted him back. And I believe Brady wanted to stay. But they both needed something new. And if it was going to remain the same in New England with... The decision maker, a.k.a. Belichick, keeping things the status quo, Brady said, okay, I'm going to split. But I don't think these books are portraying it correctly. I think these books are making Belichick out to be the bad guy. And I think it's really damaging his reputation. I don't think it's fair to him. You kind of heard on the telecast with NBC, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, they kind of you know, uh, let us peek behind the curtain a little bit with how Belichick was talking to them in the pregame interviews. He's kind of getting fed up with it, and I understand. And he's kind of defending himself a little bit. But Sunday night, where it all mattered on the field, 1917, the conditions, the back and forth, the adjustments, I don't know how you do not come away thinking Bill Belichick, greatest coach ever, best quarterback ever, Tom Brady. I was watching the Chiefs game yesterday, and – they, they beat the Eagles uh, pretty handily. It was, it was always in command. I don't think the score totally reflects just how uh, dominant they were. Philadelphia never had a chance. And, you know, Casey gets back on track, 42 points, uh, gives up 30 to Philly for a 12-point margin. And Mahomes 
does what he does, threw the ball 30 times, 278 yards, five touchdowns. And Jalen Hurts actually out threw him in passing yards, just goes to show as far as yards. I'm going to get into that here in a minute specifically about what I want to talk about as it relates to the Chiefs. Uh, but he threw for 387, two touchdowns. And my goodness, I, I, I don't know how Philadelphia expects to survive in this league. They're running a college offense. Uh, they're running the Sooner offense from Oklahoma, where it's you know basically just one read and, and go. And that gets, um, you know, that works in the Big 12, especially if you're Lincoln Riley and you have five-star recruits and you got nobody else really competing with you. Uh, but in the NFL, that's not going to work. And it's not going to work letting uh, Tyreek Hill be in single coverage the entire game. And, you know, they, they put some points on the board. I, I think they got some plays. I think they got a good offensive line and they got some skills receivers. But this quarterback is not going to be good enough. Um, and 30 points was good against KC's defense. But they, like we have seen, are, are atrocious again this year. And I think it's going to be some problems uh, out there for the Chiefs down the road here. Now, they're going to score a lot. And they got a lot of good weapons, but they're going to have to find out how to play defense a little bit better as the season moves along. But I want to talk about Travis Kelsey. He has been tabbed as one of the all-time great tight ends. I know he has the five consecutive years of 1,000 receiving yards, and he has the single-season receiving yard record for tight ends. But, you know, this is where you need to provide context with statistics. Because anytime you ask the question... Who is the greatest tight end? Who is the greatest linebacker? Who is the greatest third baseman? Whatever sport you want to choose, what does everybody do? Well, they go to football reference or they go to baseball reference and they look up the stats. And guess what? Stats are meaningful. There's a reason we track them. But in the era when tight ends do not line up on the line of scrimmage, when they are not asked to block, and when defensive backs cannot bump you at the line of scrimmage, it's much easier for a play caller, especially if you're Andy Reid and you're going to the Hall of Fame, to scheme you open, to free you open as a receiver so you can catch the ball. Now, Travis Kelsey, those numbers I just mentioned, five consecutive years, over 1,000 yards, you're not a bad player if you rack up those numbers. Let's be clear. I am not saying he's bad. I think he does commit foolish penalties. I think he is, is bad with his um, composure under pressure. There's been some... Big games, I remember in the playoffs against Pittsburgh a couple years ago, Justin Houston looks like he uh, looks like he was going to rip his face off. I think he's committed a lot of those. Since the Chiefs have been a better team, we've seen less of that. But all things considered, he has been an exceptional tight end in his era. When we're talking about all time, every tight end to play the game, I don't think he stacks up with a Rob Gronkowski. Think about Rob Gronkowski. He is like a third uh, offensive tackle on the line of scrimmage when he is asked to block. He can shed any sort of defender, any sort of linebacker covering him, any sort of safety or cornerback. His separation, his speed back in his heyday when he was really young off the line of scrimmage, now it's more build-up speed. He could separate. He can ball over people. He At the end of the catch, he was outstanding, and that's a... Uh, also something that Kelsey's good at. But I ultimately only think that's his only calling card is after the catch. After the catch, he's exceptional. He has a great vision on the field, knows how to get into open space. But his route running, all he runs is stick routes. He goes to the middle of the field, turns around, catches the ball, and Mahomes puts it right in his lap. And guess what? He's made a living. 
And he's made a lot of dollars off of it. But I don't see enough diversity in his route tree. I don't see his route running being all that good. And I see him wide open, just like I see other Chiefs pass catchers wide open. And that's a hat tip to Andy Reid. It makes me think, if you are on another team, I don't know if you're not going to be Austin Hooper instead of Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends in the game today. And when I stack you up against Rob Gronkowski, Shannon Sharp, Ozzie Newsome, even Tony Gonzalez, an old Chiefs tight end who wasn't the best blocker, but he was much better than Travis Kelsey, Jay Novacek, all these just outstanding tight ends, all these Hall of Fame tight ends, I don't think he holds a candle to them. When I see Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, Mikko uh, Hardman, Chris Conley having the best years of their career in Kansas City, that tells me it's it's Andy Reid. It does. It makes me think if you were on the uh, if you were on the Jaguars, if you were on the Jets, if you're on an average team like uh, like the Vikings, would you have the same amount of yards? I, I don't know. I don't know if, if you would because you just don't have the skill set to play in any sort of offense. It seems like you really need Andy Reid to pump up your numbers. And I think, again, if you were just going to talk about this era, outstanding. But all time, I don't see it with Travis Kelsey. So it was halftime. We had a couple quarterbacks this weekend that started the game but then were not able to return after halftime. Teddy Bridgewater, Denver Broncos, got a concussion. Drew Locke came in. Very underwhelming. Just proves again, Drew Locke, not an NFL quarterback. More Jay Cutler than he is any high-end player. And again, he didn't really answer the bell coming in in relief, which is no easy task. I get it, but I really think when it's said and done, he's going to be, a uh, at best, a backup quarterback in this league. But he, he's got a lot to prove. Got a lot to prove, not only to the Broncos, but at this point, he, he's playing for the NFL. You are, you are campaigning for the rest of the league, the other 31 teams out there. And you got to be prepared for any situation. And um, yesterday, just, you know, not that great. It's not going to be his last shot, but he's definitely got to get it going if he wants to keep his NFL career. But um, I, I want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. He had the calf issue. Trey Lance came in, caught a lot of that football game. And how do you not come away just thinking Trey Lance is so raw? So raw, he looks like a guy that has not played football, which he hasn't. He played one game last year. There were people out there clamoring for this guy to start week one. The rookie contract. The locker room divide. The compensation for Garoppolo. That's done. Jimmy Garoppolo is the best candidate to lead this team moving forward. And you had to watch no further than five snaps of that 49ers game. The rifle passes that are about four yards away that Lance is trying to make. He's, he's got zero touch right now. Zero touch. He throws a frozen rope every single pass he attempts. He's got no feel for the pocket. Now, he, he's athletic, but he's got no feel for pressure bearing down on him. He doesn't slide in the pocket. He doesn't step up. He doesn't see the field. But what he does have is a can, and everybody sees that. But this guy has no shot at winning games over a 17th schedule this season. I'm not saying he's going to be bad moving forward. I think he's got a long way to go. It's going to take some work, and he needs some reps. But Kyle Shanahan, they are in trouble. As their death chart with the running backs, 
It's depleted. They're on like their fifth running back right now in the last three weeks. The offensive game planning, man, they've had to make some adjustments on the fly. And they really haven't been putting their players in a lot of good situations here. It's you've you've seen it's taken like the third quarter for them to really get in tune after they see what the defense is doing to them, and a lot of guys kind of look like they're they're not in the right spots. It looks like a lot of bad preparation, and I don't know if that's because you're also trying to put in packages for Trey Lance, so if he has to play, he's ready to go, or if it's because Jimmy Garoppolo is your center and sole focus. It's kind of hard to tell right now. You don't know with Kyle Shanahan. He seems like he wants to get. Uh, a little sprinkle of Trey Lance in there, but he's also very dogmatic that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be his quarterback. So it's hard to tell, and it's hard to tell where they go heading into week five because Trey Lance did not look prepared to handle the playbook. Did not look prepared, and they're going to have to run the single wing this coming week because right now there's not a lot of plays that Trey Lance looks comfortable with. Does not look good for San Francisco right now. I think they definitely need to have a Bears-like win next week. Now, I know he threw a couple of touchdown passes. If you look at those touchdown passes, there were blown coverages on the field with Seattle. The one to, uh, um, I think it was uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, nowhere in sight was a, a Seattle defender. But they, they got a long way to go. And I think Trey Lance, if he has to start more than a couple weeks, San Francisco, their playoff hopes, going to be in trouble. So we're almost a quarter of the way through the season with the 17-game schedule. I don't know if we can still call week four a quarter of the way. I thought it would be a good time to take a review of the rookie quarterbacks as far as the five that have been taken in the first round. Um, Without question, Zach Wilson, I think, has put the worst tape out there. Again, backyard football, a little too ad-lib, throwing off his back foot, trying to uh, launch the ball down the field a little too quickly instead of taking what's in front of him. Uh, Look, he's not getting much help. They definitely have a physically talented signal caller. I just don't think he's really, uh, he's got a lot of things to learn and to tighten up there in uh, Florham Park. And then Trey Lance hasn't put in a whole lot out there. I know I just got done talking about his play moments ago, but he really hasn't had the opportunity to show what he has to offer. But we have seen that the tools are very unrefined. Now, the playbook, how is that going to match up next week if he has to play as far as what Kyle Shanahan dials up for him? I think Kyle Shanahan definitely has uh, the wherewithal to make it happen, but does he have the time to make it happen? Week five, right around the corner here, does he have enough time in practice to get his total offense in tune with what maybe Trey Lance does best? It's not on his side. It looks like maybe in training camp they should have prepared a little bit more if Trey had to play. Um, Number three, Justin Fields definitely like what I saw on Sunday with them. Now they granted they they played the Bears or they played the Lions, and that's exactly what they should have done to the Lions. But you saw him a lot more comfortable, moved the pocket. He wasn't asked to do too much, and he threw with confidence. I saw the ball very confidently out of his hands. He had zip on the ball. He got rid of it a lot quicker, and the plays were designed for him. The offensive line they were going against the Lions, which. Isn't exactly the 2021 Browns, but it's exactly the uplifting uh, that you needed if you were Chicago. We'll see how he does moving forward. Trevor Lawrence, definitely the guy that should have gone number one overall. Uh, He's working with pretty much everything being thrown at him at this point in time. I know Schottenheimer isn't the best offensive play caller, especially uh, for those of you that were Rams fans back in the day. 
but he's got a lot of uh, different plays thrown at him right now. And they're pretty much just uh, putting him out there in a vulnerable spot to get killed, as well as just throwing the entire playbook at him because they think he's the type of prospect that can take it. And I think he'll get better. He did improve against Cincinnati. I think playing in different sorts of games is something that he needs because really he's used to commanding games at Clemson. I think it's good that he's playing from a deficit, whether it's 17 points, 14 points. He has all the tools to make it happen. You just hope that they can really survive and maybe win four or five games when it's all said and done. Now with Urban Meyer and what's going on with him, who knows if that can really happen. But Mac Jones, Mac Jones yesterday, you got to come away encouraged. I know he doesn't make explosive plays, but he's doing what's asked of him. He's checking the ball down. He's getting rid of the ball quickly, and he's getting it to all different guys on the field. Very rarely is the Patriots' offense confused. Very rarely. I haven't seen Mac Jones just uh, completely befuddled after a play or even before a play because he didn't know what to do. He's the one checking at the line of scrimmage, the protections. He's the one audibly out of plays for the offense. It's not the center, like most teams you see. Justin Fields, doesn't uh, he doesn't check the protections. That's the offensive line. You don't see him looking to the sidelines, checking out of a play, uh, check with me's, uh, with Josh McDaniels. It's him doing it. And like I said earlier, the expectations have been raised because of that. You view the Patriots in a different light because of Mac Jones. I think he's done an exceptional job. He was playing against his predecessor earlier, and I think he answered the bell. Didn't have that many explosive plays, but he took care of the ball, had 19 straight completions. you got to be encouraged if you're New England. So I definitely have to give a shout-out to the lone undefeated team at this point in time. I know the Raiders play later on this evening, recording this uh, just before the game here on Monday evening before a kickoff. I don't think the Raiders get it done tonight. I got the Chargers winning. I got it in the ballpark of, I'll tweet out my final score prediction like I always do, but I got the Chargers winning the home game. Uh, I'm going to say at this point, I'm toying around with 30 to uh, 17. I actually think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a good game, but I think it's going to be a pull away at the end by a couple uh, of late touchdowns or late points by the Chargers. And I think they pull away to kind of make the score less of a a portrayal uh, of how the game actually went. But the Raiders, I think they actually get uh, beat this evening. And I think it keeps the Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, as the lone team that's uh, undefeated. And you got to give it up to him. I think with Cliff Kingsbury, there's still a lot to be proven as far as his track record of game management, coaching over a full year slate of games. But right now, the one area that I think that's not talked a lot about with him is just his relatability to his roster, getting his guys motivated to play and getting the cohesion of the offense and the defense for that matter in a state that makes you competitive. Right now, you got a lot of star power, a lot of ego in that locker room. Whether it's Kyler Murray, first overall pick uh, in the 2019 draft, and the quarterback of your team, DeAndre Hopkins, who wanted a raise, makes $27 million on an annual average uh, value of his contract. He gave him top dollar a record-setting contract. But then you add J.J. Watt to a defense that has Isaiah Simmons and Chandler Jones, who's also playing for a contract. Cliff Kingsbury definitely has his locker room in check, and that's something I got to give a hat tip to. A guy that, you know, obviously looks the part. He's young, 
chiseled jaw, great haircut, came from college. He wears the sunglasses on the sideline. Looks like he's, uh, you know, 23 years old, but he's actually going on 40. And he's got the reputation of just, you know, chalking up plays. He's actually got his locker room ready to play. I got to give it to him there. I got some uh, uh, questions still on the game management over a 17-game slate. Can he hold it together and beat any type of team? But right now, he just went into uh, SoFi Stadium, beat the Rams. The Rams came out flat. They got punched in the mouth and didn't return the punch. But you got to give it up to the Cardinals. They came out with the momentum. They came out ready to play. And the one thing with the Cardinals, I think, that's got to be uh, you know, given some credence here is the fact that they got a lot of players with a lot of ego and a lot of reputation. And Cliff Kingsbury, the coach that didn't win at Texas Tech and didn't have much of an NFL career, here is a coach in the NFL. He's doing a hell of a job. Appreciate everybody listening. Whew. What a week four. We got one game left. I think it's going to be a good one until late in the, uh, maybe like the fourth quarter. I think the Chargers pull ahead, but emotionally, what a week four we had. I thought it was fantastic. Started in Ohio, ended in Massachusetts, at least so far. Um, And then, you know, the final game will be this evening in Los Angeles. But do need you to hit up the text line, call line 816-226-7483. We'll play your voice right here on the show. We will read aloud what you have to say. Question, comments, at Pete4C on all social media. Tell your friends. Share with your friends. Five-star reviews. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.